Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know So, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Dolphins get a reality check up in Buffalo. The Marlins earn their fourth ever postseason appearance. Inner Miami is running out of time to make the playoffs. And the Hurricanes get ready to debut their all-black uniforms. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go! I mean, I'm glad that we are back. I wish we weren't. <laughs> I wish we weren't. It's, nah, uh, it's man. been a depressing Monday, dog. It's a rough Monday, reality check Monday for sure. And um, the gut punch. It's a gut punch, but we're, we're going to get through it, right? Like we normally do <laughs> um, throughout this podcast. Right now, we want to thank you guys for listening and checking us out. But more importantly, we want to tell you guys to go check out OnlyFans. We dropped it last night on Sunday evening. Uh, it's our reaction to week four versus Buffalo Bills up in Buffalo where we take the loss 40 to 28 and me and the boys got together to break it down. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel if you haven't already. Hit the like button, drop a comment, let us know what you guys thought about our our post-game recap. Uh, Let's jump straight into the Dolphins right now. They didn't play well. He showed in the score, right? Like I mentioned, we lost 48 to 20. But... The, the the overall sense that I walk away with, right, and I kind of expressed this on the show, is that those things that we had been concerned about prior to the season are here again. And while we have addressed them, they continue to be an issue. We're talking about the offensive line, and we're talking about the second and third tier defensive back position. It's easy to say that Kadir Kohu had a tough day at the office, for sure. But <clears throat> when you're matched up against Stefan Diggs, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of those battles. My question to you is, do you think the scheme should have been much better than what we saw, or was that the best that we can do right now against a high-powered opponent without Jalen Ramsey? Is that the best scheme we can do? Shit, I don't know, man. I I, I don't know if it's all just scheme, you know, because there's play calling on defense, and, and obviously you ha- you're, you're having a cover, one of the most high-powered offices, like you just said. But, you know, where are the guys going to step up on defense? Right. You know what I mean? When we need them to in these big games. You know, we, we kind of harped on it a little bit on OnlyFans, but, you know, uh, Brad Chubb, you know, that's a guy that is a high-profile guy that we got. You know, big ticket guy, a lot of money. And, you know, we need him to step up in these games. Yeah, it's okay if you if you sack Russell Wilson a couple times, pressure him a few times. You know, you, you do that to uh, to Mac Jones, you know, understandable. All right. But, man, when we need it most is Josh Allen, and you're letting him have a field day, you know, buying time, running, extending plays, getting the ball downfield, picking up first downs on, yeah. on third and, and you know, and mid, third and five, third and six, where we're like, all right, we need to stop right here and, we just couldn't get that done. So 
If it's a scheme, you know, then Fangio has to take a look in the mirror and figure out, you know, what he's doing with this group. But if not, I, I think it's, you know, the players need to take a long look and go, who's the guy that's going to step up right now? Because I didn't see one step up on defense aside. I will give him those flowers, which you did on that show yesterday. Andrew Van Ginkle. Yeah. He's been superb all season last yes, year, too. That's why we kept him on. And, you know, we have him in the locker room and stuff. He, he, he That guy plays 120% every game. You would think that the guy who you know, doesn't necessarily have a big name behind him or isn't necessarily working to having the biggest of contract put his his way would be the guy that, you know, doesn't... It gets outplayed in some sense by the rest of his teammates. Van Kiko had the only two sacks of the game yesterday on Josh Allen on pressures that he was blitzing in where, <clears throat> like we talked about last week, when he got to, to Josh Allen, he brought down... Josh Allen. It wasn't, let me run at him full speed and have him brush me aside, try to get him by a shoestring tackle or get him up top. No, let me make body contact with him, make sure that I can wrap him up and bring him down. The only guy that did that, man. I don't know if it's the scheme or if it's the players, but something has to change immediately because just looking at the four games that we've been in, right? Chargers, they put up 34 points on us. New England, with a whack-ass offense, put up 17 points on us. Denver, with a whack-ass offense, put up 20 points on us. And now Buffalo puts up 48 points on us. Teams are scoring against us regularly. And the only thing that's been really shading that has been the outstanding play of the offense. But when that goes away, mind you, Bills were only giving up 11 points as is two opponents the offense scored 20 points nine points above that average so yeah it wasn't a great day at the office and we'll get to them later but they did their thing of of matching point for point at least as far as they could as much as they could in the beginning of the game not once did we see the defense make a stop not once not on a third down couldn't for, we just couldn't get to it that's the biggest issue too, bro, because, you know, like you just talked about, we, we start off the game punch for punch with them. You know, they score, we score, they score, we score. And then on our next possession, we stall out. We have to punt, you know, something that we're not used to seeing. And then what are they going to do? Well, they're going to, they're going to score, you know, yep. cause drove right do. back down. And, and then, you know, I think we might've held them to a field goal at that point. Maybe that first one right after, which was kind of a win, but still then they were able to come back again and, and stop us on the, you know, when they were on defense and, it, it becomes an issue now for the offense because now we're playing from behind and now there's more pressure mounted up. You already had enough pressure coming into Buffalo trying to prove something. And then now you're pl you're playing from behind. So now you're more prone to mistakes, whether yeah. it's a, whether it's, I'm not you know necessarily pointing a finger at anybody, but whether it's an offensive lineman being downfield when they're not supposed to, or a QB throwing a ball where he shouldn't, or a running back choosing the wrong hole or the wrong gap. All those things mount up when there's more pressure. And I think that that's exactly what we saw on it's Sunday. The, it's the execution. You know what I mean? Like, they were unable to execute properly in those circumstances of the game, right? And even Tua, there are point, things that we can point out that he did well. But then once he got out of rhythm, he you saw him making the bad choices. You saw him throwing off his back foot. You saw him doing the things that were like, yo, don't do this because it always puts us in a bad position. Had one INT, could have been more. We saw the Waddle, you know, rescue pretty much to, to save another INT. Um, just wasn't good offensively, man. And and more, 
kind of troubling now, right? To kind of circle back to what I started the, the Dolphins topic with. Now we have this issue with the offensive line where Armstead is definitely out. Okay. I told you personally, I think he's out for the season. No official word yet. Yeah, he's out. He's out for sure against the Giants. And the guy's out for at least a month. We're waiting to hear back. At, at best case scenario, he's out for a month. I personally think he's going to be out for a year because there, the way he got off the field and went straight to the locker. There's a good chance that we, that was the last time we see Armstead. So now season. brings us back to the O-line and how well are they going to be able to perform for the rest of, you, of the year without having Armstead. And there's not like there's a guy out there that we can go out and sign right no, now. No, no, it doesn't exist. We're going to trade? Who? We, who we're, what are we going to trade it right now? It doesn't exist right now. To get an offensive lineman to to fill that gap and, and other gaps. Because we're you know now we're missing Armstead. Connor Williams is out. Yes. Eichenberg is moved. So we got, you know, Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson and, and, and company. You know, Eichenberg's playing center. I mean, it's a smorgasbord. It's not what our intended... O-line is supposed to look like. So now we're trying to piece it together. I don't think it's time to panic, you know, obviously, because that group did fairly well without Armstead the first two games. But it, we we definitely need to have a bounce back in a big way this Sunday against the Giants. How do you do that if you're the offensive line? Don't let Tua get touched. Yeah. You don't sure. let him get hurt. You let him do what he did the first three games, have time in the pocket, make, be able to make plays. And we're going to be good. We, we should be good, at least moving forward for the short term. We went from averaging one sack a game given up to giving up four sacks in one game. Yeah, that's not going to be good for Tool. And like I said, it, it's, it makes Tool's job harder mentally to stay focused on trying to check into a run and not check out of the run, right, to throw the ball yet again and throw the ball yet again. And it got to a point where we knew what the offense was going to be because Buffalo took away the run from us completely. Even though A-Chan had an amazing day running the ball, right? A, we know he didn't get enough carries. And B, we know that there weren't enough holes being open for him. It was more him making stuff happen, right? Overall, we got to look back at these first four games and say, all right, we came out of this the best that we could. Let's look at it in, in a quarter of the, of the, of the season we were three and one. The offense was clicking for a majority of the games. Our defense has these type of holes. We're concerned about the O-line on offense, but we have a plan X, Y, and Z to, to shore that up. Okay, cool. I can feel good about this first four games saying, <clears throat> okay, we, we went out there, we won as many as we could, and we lost the one game that we probably should have lost anyways, right? To Buffalo at Buffalo. Hard, hard place to win at especially for a team like Miami. Now we look forward and how can we bounce back? We get the Giants, we get Carolina, we get Philadelphia, and then we finish up with New England. We got to win these eight NFC games for sure because even the Philadelphia game, Philadelphia hasn't looked great. They almost lost this weekend to Washington. Should have lost this weekend to Washington, but that's going to be a game that, yeah, we're going to be underdogs, but... Us here in Miami, we're going to be expecting that to be a win, especially if we take care of business against the Giants and against the Panthers, two teams that are relatively bad right now. I don't know if if that's the right remedy for for this team, right, to go beat up on teams that are, are obviously inferior. But we do have to get back on the horse. We have to forget about that Buffalo game. We have to dust ourselves off. Find out what we need to work on and use this game against the Giants as 
that type of game where it's in a, a real life practice game and we get back to the basics. We get back to what's been working for us and hopefully we see 30 carries minimum between our two backs, Mostert and A-Chan. I know that Jeff Wilson Jr. is close to getting back. I don't know if it'll be this week or, or that next week against the Panthers, but we need to get back to running the ball as much as we can often. And, and, and maybe the O-line needs to be built around that. Maybe not so much around pass protection with Tua. Maybe it needs to be with the guys who are the heavy set guys who can create some space and get an actual forward push to create some lanes for our running backs. And we become a running team. And we only throw it whenever we can. I don't know. But playing the Giants right now is not a bad thing. <laughs> They're playing Monday Night Football tonight. They'll probably lose to the Seahawks. Uh, drop down to one and three, and then hope we'll... not. <laughs> I hope not. I hope you said not. we weren't going to talk about that, dog. <clears throat> nah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something else. But I just hope that the, you know the Giants win tonight. I'm by, just by saying, some miracle they beat the Seahawks. Yeah, I doubt it. But either way, we'll be facing a bad Giants team at the right time. Come back home. Let's work on shit. Let's get this O line situated. We know Armstead's going to be out for a while. Let's make sure that we make the right moves there. And that it doesn't come back to bite us in the ass later on because we're going to need the O-line to open space for the running game and to keep Tua protected, bro. We can't let this guy keep getting hit like he did against the Bills. Yeah, we know we have a passer. All right, we know Tua is one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate passer in the NFL. We have the wide receiver core to back it. All right, the O-line is the question mark. On defense, I think there's a lot more question marks. That's a whole other story for a whole other time. A whole defense needs to tighten up. Yeah, coordinator but, and all. but go out there and get two shutouts then. Or keep these teams under 10 points. Carolina hasn't won a game yet this season, dog. Like, they're 0-4. And like I said, the Giants will probably lose tonight to the Seahawks to be 1-3. Offenses that are struggling. One of them is starting a rookie quarterback or a really old quarterback in Carolina's case. Dominate those guys. Don't give up no 20-something points. Go out there and dominate. Zero to ten points. That's what the Dolphins defense has to do. Uh, but either way, after those games, we're going to bring you only fans hey. and recap them. There will be wins for sure against yes. the Giants yes. and for sure against the the Panthers. So, so the future right now, you can parlay it. Dolphins' next two games are going to be Ws. For sure. We just It's just a matter of how much, by how much. Oh, hit the over, baby. Hit the over, baby. Let's go. All right, let's talk about a team that deserves to be spoken about. Um, oh, let's yeah. let's hit the horns for the Miami Marlins for making the playoffs. He's still working at this, guys. Hey, <laughs> it's been a rough weekend. It's been a rough weekend for my boy, guys. One more time for the Marlins. Yeah, they deserve that shit, bro, because they made the playoffs for their fourth time in franchise history. Um, after taking two out of three up in Pittsburgh. A uh, weird thing that happened in the last game against the Mets where the Martins were up in the ninth inning. It started raining. I think it was the second to last game, too. I think it was uh, the, the... No, it was the last game of the series against the Mets. Mm, okay. Anyways, yeah. the Met, well, I, Oh, no. The first game against the Mets, they didn't close it in time or something Correct. like that. And then we ended up making that game up. In a doubleheader the next day. That's what it was. Bingo. Yeah, but that was messed up the first Super game. Super weird. What they did, that they didn't cover it up. And then the Marlins were pissed. At the Mets because they were like, oh, you guys are scumbags for, you know, screwing up our chances, you know, this late in the season. You guys Super didn't have the ground screw out there on time or whatever. And uh, it didn't matter in the end. We didn't even have to play that last game against thankfully, the Mets. Thankfully, thankfully. Thankfully, the Martins were focused, right? Had won that second game of the doubleheader. 
to get some of that good momentum back in their favor after losing the first game of the series of that doubleheader. Uh-huh. And then that weird shit happens in the in the last game of the of the series against the Mets. But even still, the Marlins had been coming back and playing well. And then do the same thing against Pittsburgh. Down 3-0 all the way up into the eighth. Four-run eighth inning. And pff, everything just goes the Marlins' way. You got uh, Jazz hitting a sacrifice fly to bring uh, Guriel. Uh, Gary Simpson hit a single to start it off, and that had a snowball effect. And the next thing you know, Josh Bell hits a double, who's been killing it. Uh, it it's just crazy how this Marlins team continues to show an ability to come back on teams, which is going to be super scary for a team that Philadelphia team that we're going to face in the playoffs. But before we get to that, even in the last game, uh, you know, the second game of the series, Marlins were kind of going back and forth with Pittsburgh early in that second game. And then another explosion of an inning where they score enough runs, you know, in consecutive innings, including a home run from, <clears throat> excuse me, another Josh Bell double, for two RBIs, that guy's been killing it for us. What a trade. I, I, I just think that this Marlins team has really earned the right to make the playoffs and really earned that wild card spot, which is crazy because we didn't have them there. It is, and we have a tough task ahead, let me tell you, man, because we got the Phillies coming up, and we got the hitters, right? We know we got the hitters to be able to you know compete in the postseason. That's the reason we're here, I feel like. But question is, so do we, do we got the pitching? Because we we had to use our best pitcher to to get you know past the Pirates the other day, yeah. And so now we're down to our, what, our third best pitcher who's going to be starting on on the first game against the Phillies in Philadelphia. Let's see. I think they're gonna. Who, who do we got starting? Do we're starting Lazardo, and and Lazardo is a, is a really good pitcher for for what we paid for him. Right. He's had a lot of ups this year, some downs, but he's been a dude that we can rely on for the most part. Um. He has a little bit of, of playoff experience, if I'm not mistaken. But this is a guy who knows that how to play with his defense. Hit a lot of pitch for a lot of ground balls, easy throws that guys can defend. And we have great infielder uh, as far as defense goes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Lazardo is more than capable of starting a series against the Phillies. Very you know familiar with that team and has pitched against them countless times. Just a guy who who can do the job for four to five innings. And that's what we need. We need to get this game with it being a run, one run game, either for us or against us, right? However, it may shake out, but we need to keep it a one run game in order for the bullpen to take over. Because right now the bullpen is our best asset. Mm. I mentioned Nardi last episode, him company and company, uh, AJ Puck has been pitching well, getting himself out of trouble. Tanner Scott coming in and closing games over and over and over again. Robinson Robertson being a good setup man for Scott. The strength of this pitching staff right now is in the bullpen. So, yeah, Lazardo is a professional enough that he can pitch four innings, five innings, and say, all right, guys, I gave you guys a 0-0 game. Let's, let's hope we get a run, and once we get that run, let's lock it down. So you're saying wear them out, you know, keep it close. It's the only way and, and and close out, you know, with the bullpen. You're, you're really putting a lot of that on on our bullpen and our closers. If I'm hearing you right, we have to. That's that's they've been our most consistent thing. So, well, far. so, so how do you think? All right. Now we got to look at the Philly side of things. Have you been keeping up with anything Philly? F Any the other pitching staff? Or? Of course not. So, no, who, but I, I do pitching, know who, who's, who's pitching, pitching for them. Game one. Zach Wheeler. 
Obviously, he's a stud, right? The guy, let's see. Uh, That's setting a tone. Was 13 the, and 6 this year. 3.6 ERA. Three game series. That's a three. That's a setting the tone for a three game series right there, bro. And he's good at home. Five and two this year, 4.1 ERA. But he does give up runs at home. Not necessarily a strikeout guy. So we can get to him. Okay. I like and that. And I, I will say this. His problem is going to be the Marlins' patience at the plate. Our guys are not swinging miss guys. Our guys are singles and doubles, singles and doubles, singles and doubles. Boom, here comes a home run. Not, hey, home run, home run, double, double, triple, home run. We don't have that type of offense. So we have guys willing to take walks. We have guys willing to foul off and be into a 12, 15 pitch at bat, right, where they're falling off pitch after pitch after pitch. We're going to have those guys who battle. Wear them out. And by the way, we have the batting champion, back-to-back batting champion in Luis Arias. Shout out one time. Jesus has been balling. Brian De La Cruz been playing really well for us. Uh, Jazz has been hitting clutch homers for us. Clutch homers for us. So, yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident in, in the Marlins' ability to compete in this series. That's what I want. I want them to compete in this series against Philadelphia. Yeah. No, we and we can. We I think we've competed with Philly all season long, and they, they you know, they're kind of they're they're a better team on paper. I think you know, I think they're going to be the favorite going into this into this series. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, yeah, I think if you know Marlins baseball and the history of Marlins baseball, it's it's about getting hot at the right time. Yes, sir. And and knowing that whoever wins this series, you know, has to face the the Braves. Next, you know, it's you got to bring some of your best best baseball. And the Marlins have been playing some pretty good baseball lately. I don't know if it's their best yet, but they're going to need their best to be able to to make a run in these playoffs and get, and get past Philadelphia. For sure. And I think that the Marlins have an edge when it comes to defense. As a whole, Philly's unit pitching staff has given up more runs this year than the Marlins has. So say what you want about the Marlins pitching, how inconsistent has it been? During this stretch of playoff baseball that the Marlins have been playing for over a month now, our biggest strength has been the pitching. And it's been complementing the amount of hitting that we've gotten. And and it's really just timely hitting. Like I mentioned, uh, Luis Arias, he's been perfect. Even when he, because he's been dealing with a little nagging injury, but even when he has to come in and get a pinch hit, guess what? He's getting a pinch hit. He's going oppo, so he doesn't even have to run like he, he he's hands down the collective regular season MVP. Am I right? I don't know about that. For the Marlins, is he not? For the Marlins, yes. Oh, hey, undoubtedly. My bad, dog. <laughs> didn't mean regular season MVP. I was like, I don't know. Didn't man, mean that. I want him to. For the Marlins, I have to rephrase. For the Marlins, he's undoubtedly the Marlins MVP this year, right? Or would you give that to somebody no, else? No, for sure, it would be him. For sure, it would who be else him. would you get? Who who else would get consideration for that this year? This year, you have to give Nardi a good look and say, "Yo, you've done really well for us this year." And this is a guy who had came in with zero expectation, has been one of the best pitchers. Yeah, that we've but had. that has had a bigger impact but it's had than eyes. Probably yes, because he's saving games and winning games for us. Andrew Nardi has won eight games for us this year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot in the relief spot. You know what I mean? So he's coming in sixth, seventh, eighth, and doing a good enough job where he can win the game. That's clutch. Okay. Luis Arias had that expectation of being our best hitter no matter what on the squad. 
Now, did I think he was going to lead the majors? No. I knew he was going to be up in that range, though. But that that's kind of, you're glossing over that, that no, little I'm factor. The, guy, not, was batting, Listen, the he, guy was batting upwards of 400 from yes, a for good a while. part of the season. You know yes. what I'm saying? A lot of the runs that we got when we didn't have the pitching earlier on in the season when Sandy was struggling and giving up games yeah. were, were because Araez was, you know, getting hits out of nowhere and keeping us in games, keeping us alive early on in the season, for helping sure. us get wins. So, you know, I, I think collectively over across the season and you're talking about his injuries and stuff guys have probably been injured a bunch of times throughout the season you know and still being able to maintain that and lead the league I think that's just impressive and I, that's why I would give him the, the Marlins regular season MVP now in the postseason who knows story right. Hardy goes out and closes out four or five games in the postseason and we get a World Series who knows who knows but and yes I get it Arias is definitely the MVP. I'm just saying there have been impactful players other than him that you wouldn't necessarily notice, right? Unless you look at his stats or watch every single Marlins game, you wouldn't feel Nardi's impact. Just by knowing that Arias was leading the majors with batting 400 and leading the majors the whole time as, as the batting champ, you kind of got to see him more often. So, yeah, you recognize him. But if you're looking at this team, you're like, damn, there's dudes who really stepped up this year and could be top three players on the squad. Brian De La Cruz is one of them. Jesus Sanchez is one of them, right? Uh, even Stallings, as a catcher, his impact with this pitching staff, right? And some of the timely hitting that he's made had down the stretch. A very consistent back catcher, a guy who can really play solid defense, get the pitches ready, get the defense ready. We don't see that impact necessarily in stats, but when you look at the defense that the Marlins have played this year, you can see why when you when you dive a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Arias is a part of that too because he's a go- fucking gold glover in my opinion, right? Uh, really good uh, defensive player. Yeah. And then those are all guys that you're talking about or have been here throughout the whole season. Yes. You know, you, you kind of left out the guys that were acquired right before the deadline that we traded for in, right. in Josh, Berger. In Josh Bell and Jake, Jake Berger. Yeah, and, those, and both of those guys have had huge impacts here. Huge impacts here. Much more than a, any fan, right? Martin's fan could have hoped for saying, Coño, hey, I'm giving you Josh Bell. Hey, I'm giving you Jake Berger. You would have been like, bro, I don't want these guys. Who are these guys? Whatever. But look at the impact that they've had here because, again, they, they, they didn't have to feel the pressure of coming in and being the guy or making the impact. Just come in and be one of us because we already got a good vibe in this locker room. This Marlins team has tremendo vibe. Jazz, uh, Arias, um, Sanchez, Yuri Perez. Like, these guys have really put a positive vibe in that locker room and it's showing on the field. I've always mentioned that, bro. How the team vibes in the locker room in baseball is how they come out and play on the field. And you can tell that the Martins are playing very confident, very loose baseball. Not only did we win the season series against the Phillies, they're 0-4 against Lazardo this year. We can go out there and make a big impact in that game one, have this dude pitch five, six innings, us get one or two runs and have that be enough. Big. We don't have to score eight runs here to win nah, a game. That's not how we that's win. That's not how we roll. That's not how we do. That's not how we roll. We, we, we're we going to keep it close, and we're going to close it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's big, man. It's a big, big thing. Um, Shout out to Martin, too, for letting us know about the tickets Yeah, you know that are on sale. If we make it past this next round, this round is away at Philadelphia, all three games. Yes, sir. If it needs to go to all three games. If, uh, but if, if the Marlins if win, come back, if we come, and we face the Braves, we got a seven game series. We're we got a seven home for game, a game series, for and there's going to be playoff baseball in Miami, dog, Crazy. against the Braves. Twenty years Oof. since a full season. I think they can do it, dog. I really think they can beat the Phillies. It's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I agree, but we can do it. I agree. 
Season start, uh, postseason starts tomorrow. By the time you guys are hearing this, that's today, Tuesday. Game one against Philadelphia Phillies, like we said, Zach Wheeler versus Jesus Lazardo. Both of those guys are great pitchers. Pitched great this year, so it's going to be a great matchup. I'm interested to see how it goes. Primetime, man, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Marlins baseball, bro. Love it. I can't wait for that game, baby. Let's go fish, man. Let's go fish, baby. Wow. Awesome, dog. They made the playoffs, man. Um, incredible. Awesome. Incredible Another franchise. And shout out to Kim Ang, man. I saw her her wow. interview yes. after, you know, when they made it and they clinched or whatever. And, you know, she she's done a lot of work, man. She's done a lot of a lot of magic for this team in the last few years. Yeah, everybody thought it was going to be Derek Jeter when, you know, they both came in and, and he left and got the fuck out of Dodge and didn't give, a, you know, two shits about the Marlins. And Kim Ang has been here and, and, and that interview was, you know, it was great, man. She shouted out everybody from, you know, the, the minors to the, you know, the, 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 the scouts to, the, you know, the housekeeping to everybody on the team. It's a team collective, you know, thing. And that's what you're talking about. That locker room It's not just the players. It goes down everywhere, you know, everywhere. front office all the way down to that locker room. And look, say what you want. About this Marlins team, say what you want about the franchise and the history of the franchise. Right now, that lady has pulled every single correct string this year, and it's working. Whatever it is, it's working. And hats off to Skip Schumacher as well. Hell yeah! Hell what a yeah. what a great fucking year! We'd be remiss if we didn't if we didn't. What talk a great about. year for that man, dog. And 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 look, that's how low key he is that he flies under the radar even on a local sports. Freaking podcast, right? But that dude has come in, made an impact. The players really believe in him. Yeah, they're bought in. They really, really believe in him. They really want to play for him. And this could be a guy that can spend, I don't want to say 10, 15 years here, right? Because we know how things go. Let's worry about the next uh, 10, 15 but days. It, but if that guy can pull out five, seven years here, not of this type of caliber of, of vibes, let's say, not necessarily the outcomes, but just the vibes. Yeah, he'll be a very successful coach and a legend down here. He's a legend already in my book. Guys that made the playoffs hey, in the first season. Only other legend besides him is Jack McKeon, dog, the last one to make it to the postseason. First shot, former player, make the playoffs first season as a as a manager, bro. Gotta yeah. love it. That's legendary shit, man. Gotta love it. Shout out to the Marlins, man. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Inner Miami. Okay. The Herons. The up? Herons. They're running out of time. Tick tock, tick tock. Running out of time to make the playoffs, my boy. It's not looking good, dog. <sighs> Messi they're, ain't playing and shit. Nope. And and they're just dropping points against teams that they shouldn't be dropping points. Um, they lost mid midweek uh to Houston two to one. Dynamo, right? that was for the championship. Correct in the US Open Cup final. Messi um, did play in that game. Yes. And Houston got up early, two zip, and you saw no fight from Inter Miami pretty much and they were easily swept aside. Uh, it didn't come until the one of the goals that the only goal that they scored didn't come until extra time. I think it was like the 95th minute of the 96th minute of extra time. So like pretty much at the end of the game where Houston was Garbage probably time. thinking about celebration and shit. But that game in particular wasn't league play, was it? No, it wasn't. It was so just it, for the championship. It didn't count separate. for any points. We didn't lose points no. or game points there. No, but you know, Messi ends up, he didn't play that game. He That's the game he missed due to muscle fatigue. Um, Martinez scored that goal in extra time and it was, that was it. And that was a trophy that we could have won. Right. But we just didn't have the fight all game. And to get that extra goal, it's kind of like you said, like it's a trash goal, not necessarily how he scored it. It was good goal, how he took it, Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really give any type of consolidation. 
uh, because we didn't play well enough to get that goal earlier in the game, right? And that's what we really needed to kind of give ourselves a chance to even tie in the game, sending it to extra time. But we couldn't get it there. And, uh, yeah, and then you think after a game like that, you know, for a trophy – and then it's like, all right, you know what? Fine. We didn't get that one, but let's we got to make the postseason, right? Yeah. We got to get wins here. We got to keep this alive right now and, and make it into the postseason and keep the Cinderella run going. And they didn't do that. No. And you thought that they, like this matchup would be a good bounce back matchup for them, right? Like It's like, yo, here's what you're going to do. You're going to play one of the worst teams that you need to win in order to jump ahead in the standings to get closer to the playoff spot. All right, perfect. Who's that team? Ah, New York City FC. Perfect. Line them up. And then we get the goal early, and it's like, all right, cool. Uh, not even. They, we give up the goal. It's, it's tied through halftime. We're struggling to keep possession. Messi doesn't play. In the seventh, the seventh minute, we give up the go-ahead goal to them. And at that point, I'm thinking like, yo, this is it. The playoffs are slipping away right here. Completely slipping away. They're going to mess up the opportunity to make it six straight franchises in the playoffs in a calendar year, right, in all these different sports. And sure enough, we were able to get, a again, a late goal in extra time from Thomas Aviles, and that pretty much saved their season for right now. Because statistically, they're not out of it. I'm um, looking at the standings right now. They're currently 13th at 33 points. They need to get to that ninth spot, which is currently held by CF Montreal, who has a total of 37 points. And Inter Miami still has that game in hand. So we still have games left to play, including that extra one. But like we said at the top of the, of the segment, the time is running out. And if you're in Miami, you can't afford to get so much hype bring in so much attention, have all these eyes on you, and not perform. Whether or not Messi is there, now with Alba there, now with Busquets there, we have enough talent on the squad to compete in games and win against inferior opponents because it's not like we're playing Atlanta. It's not like we're playing LAFC or any of the top clubs, Cincinnati, Orlando, New England. We're not playing any of this team. We're playing the teams that are either right next to us, below us, or right above us. So it, it, those are games that we should be more competitive in. And I think that they need to wake up and get some wins because four points out and you got what? How many games they got left? Let's see here. I think it's like three. I want to say it's, it's like three or four games. They don't have a whole lot left. No, it's not a lot. You're right. They have four games left. They got a Wednesday matchup against uh, Orlando FC. They got another home matchup against FC Cincinnati. Yep. Chicago FC kicked our ass, dog. And that's a team that is ahead of us, right? They're tied for, like I said, that ninth spot with 37 points. If we beat them, we pull ourselves to within one point. Now we're in a lot closer range to get into that ninth. We would have been better off beating New York because then we would have been heading into that uh, Chicago FC matchup where it's like, you know, a little bit more gusto behind us to say, all right, let's get these three points, put these guys in our rearview mirror and focus about the next matchup. No, now our back is further against the wall. Yep. We're in between a rock and a hard place. And it gets even harder because, look, you got to play Cincinnati, who's the number one team that I just mentioned. You got to play Charlotte, even though both of these games are at home. You still got to play a Charlotte squad who's up there, right? They're... The biggest question that anybody listening to this right is now Messi is Messi going to play? That's it. Is Messi going to play? Because with Messi, we, we got a shot. Yeah. Without Messi, frankly, we don't got a shot. It doesn't seem that way, at least. Not right now. No, for sure. But look, even if he doesn't play, we got we can win that Chicago FC game. 
We win that Chicago FC game, like I mentioned. We're one point behind them. It's 37 to 36, right? And then we finish, assuming we lose or tie that game against Cincinnati, we play the last two games of the season against Charlotte FC, who is one of the weaker teams in all of MLS. They have nothing to play for. We can beat both of these guys, this team two times, one at home, one away, get those six points, be at 42, and see if that's enough to make the wild card spot. Could be done, but you can't waste any more time. You have to take those opportunities and score those early goals. And once we get ahead, hold it down. Stop giving up goals. Stop giving up equalizers because defensively as a team, we're much better than that. We should be much more better than that. Uh, let's hope that it changes ASAP. Like I said, Wednesday is a big game for them playing against Chicago FC. They lose that game. They can kiss this season in the playoffs. Goodbye, man. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. So let's, uh, let's go Herons. Herons? That's right. Yeah, let's go Herons. Let's go Herons. <laughs> it's tough to not say it the other way, but... Heron. Yeah, you know, whatever. Let's go uh, Herons. Yeah. Now let's talk about a more important team, uh, college football-wise. We got the hometown Miami Hurricanes, currently ranked number 17 Ooh, in the AP. lucky 17. Yeah, I knew that, that they were going to jump up, uh, but I didn't think it was going to be big, right, because they had the they week off. play, yeah. But I, I, I like the fact that they're, they're thinking... They're seeing other teams well, play. Well, you know what happened, right? A lot of shit happened you, in college football. Well, a lot of shit happened in college football, but the historical fact of this season that I think helped improve that was is that Texas A&M, A&M yep. who we pretty much destroyed Correct. when we played them here, um, they've gone on to play pretty good, and they haven't allowed teams to put up points, nope. and they've they've you know won some some good games. So that's taking into consideration now. That's like, all right, so if Miami beat them and, and did it handily, Miami's a much better team than we're, you know, even with the bye week, than we're giving them credit for. So absolutely, that, that, if not, they would have. There's no way they would have jumped up. No, no, absolutely, and and you know, like you said, the good thing about it is that you always want the strength of schedule to continue to grow throughout the season, right? You want those teams that you beat to go on and have great runs and and probably go undefeated for the rest of the season, right? And I think that Texas A&M is a good enough football team that they can run the table. They may not. They may have another loss mm, along the way. Yeah, they're in a tough division. Because they're playing in the SEC. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and that shit is tough. So even, even if they get through their season with just two or three losses, that's good enough for Texas A&M to look back and be like, all right, we had a good season minus this one slip up that we had to Miami, right? <clears throat> for the Hurricanes, you got to continue to go and out there and perform how the nation kind of sees you. Right now, they see you as a middle-of-the-pack team. Yeah, you're, you're building, you have a good foundation, but you just don't have that killer X factor, which is fine because we don't need that in order to beat these opponents that we're facing currently. This next game against Georgia Tech, which is going to be a night game, super dope, by the way. I'm super excited because they're going to be debuting the all-black uniforms this year, which is fire. I, I like the all-black I, think, I like I don't know something about the the like that whenever they do those all white or all black. Like the Bengals had the all white recently. Yes, I can't wait to see this. I think team in all black, I, especially that they're using like neon. They're not just putting all black next to the orange and green. They're using like the neon orange and the neon mm, green and shit. Even better, so it looks even better. It's gonna be dope, man. Um, if you haven't mushrooms. checked it out already, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to do that, right? Yeah. Do that and then check out For the Sports the with So-So Instagrams to check out the the post I made earlier, man, about their uniform. It's just. They're, they're playing with that confidence. They're playing like a team that's building their confidence, building their their program back to the level that they want it to be. 
this game against Georgia Tech is the first step in that direction, I feel like. It's the beginning of ACC play. You're favored in this game. You're now ranked within the top 20. You have a very good quarterback who's ranked in the top 10 as far as nationwide numbers go. Your running game is top 10 in the nation. Your defense is playing well. Your wide receivers are playing much better than expected. Let's use this all as momentum to continue to believe in Crystal Ball, his system, and the offense that that that's working right now much better than last year's offense, right? And go out there and kick Georgia Tech's ass. We don't have to, and when I say Georgia Tech's ass, I don't mean like, oh, 56 is zip. No, that's not what I mean. But go out there and run the ball. Be the dominant team, right? Get 300 yards on the board uh, as a running team against these guys. Let's put up 250 yards or 600 yards as a total offense where we do 300 yards of rushing or 250 yards of rushing and 300 yards throwing or 350 yards of throwing. Display your dominance. Establish your dominance, especially, you know, having a, a whole week off to rest and having that bye week. Come out of that bye week strong and ready to play. You know, hit somebody in the mouth. You know, defense, do your thing. I don't know. Do, are, are they going to have Cam Kitchens back for this He's game? playing. He's playing. Bye-bye. In the He's all been black. all over. Bro. Is this a primetime game, too? Throw that, in the, throw that in the mix. 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock game. All black uniforms. Cam Kitchens is back. The Hurricanes got everything to prove. I mean, I'm betting the house, Baba. Bet the house because... This is one of those statement games, dog. Georgia Tech is not a good team. The Canes look like they're a good team. If you're a good team, you go out there and you beat the shit out of teams that are not good. I need to see this Canes team prove, not only to myself, but to themselves and the rest of the fans, like, we're not bullshitting around in this crystal ball era. The guys that we got here, they really want to be here. They're really about representing the U and getting it back to his glory days. And this is the steps that we're taking to get there. Got to go out there and dominate ACC play so that Clemson is on alert for us, right? For North Carolina, who just lost to be on alert for us, not the other way around like it was before. Now they have to worry about TVD. They have to worry about Paris Jr. They have to worry about Kobe Young. They have to worry about that secondary. That's what I want to see in this game. Go out there and dominate. I don't need the score to be out of this world outlandishly. You know what I mean? Like 50-something points, like I said. Nah. Right. But I want to I want to see a dominating game. If you saw 35-0. to zero, That's what I want to see. 35-7. to seven. And we ran the ball for 300 yards. That's what I want to see. At home, Saturday night, let's go out there and beat the dog shit out of these guys. Let's dominate these fools. Because we know that it's possible with the amount of talent that's on this squad right now. And I said it earlier. The offensive coordinator, I forget his name. You can look it up for me. This dude has really completely changed how TVD is seeing the field. And it shows because TVD has the confidence in the throws that he's making. Um, And not only that, he feels more comfortable because the amount of time that he's able to hand the football off and see those guys pop up. That O-line is really gelling much more better than the Dolphins O-line, right? But it's all because of the offensive coordinator. Shannon Dawson. Shannon Dawson and his creative thinking and playmaking. You're not just seeing, you know, regular type plays. No, you're seeing really innovative type shit that's happening in college football in order to free these guys up. To have a top 15 offense in the in the nation the hurricanes bro come on man like that's something big yeah, and, dog. They, and they need it considering like we talked about last week there's there's you know in-state rival florida state still in the top five doing yes, their thing you know they're still winning games so 
You have to keep pace because you know they got that on the calendar. It's circled. If there isn't, bro, if Crystal Ball doesn't have a giant calendar all <laughs> in right, that locker room, inside of that Hurricanes locker room with the date against the Florida State game circled, which is at Florida State this year. Yeah. I mean, he's doing that team of disservice. Everybody, all eyes need to be on that game. Like, sure. hey, this is our game right here. Everything else that we're doing before that is getting us ready for that game. Do the basics, do what we know how to do best. And when it comes time for that date right there on the calendar, that's where we're going to really show it. Everybody dominate. what we got. That's when we're going to, we're going to be able to dominate. You got to go out and dominate. Go beat the shit out of this Georgia Tech team. They just gave up 38 points. And in two of their other losses, they gave up 48 and 39. Like, so I it's mean, possible to go out there and beat them 40, down. 50 points. This offense, there's no reason why this offense shouldn't be. Down. I mean, just based off of what you told me right there, no, based, based off of what you told me and what I've seen from the Hurricanes offense the first four weeks of the season, there's no reason why they can't put up 40 points easily on this team. Beat them down. Beat them down. Beat them Wear them out, dog. Wear them out. Wear them out. And especially that night game, it's going to be packed because obviously people are going to be able to go and not melt in the Florida sun, right? But all night, uh, night game, all black uniforms, a complete blackout of the stadium, primetime game in the ACC, first game of the ACC calendar year. It's going to be big vibes, and we're definitely going to have to go out there and shine. Hurricanes. Yep. Go out there and shine. Here's, 42 a, zip. here's another one, too. 42 zip, goddammit. We got we got UNC, man. UNC's at 14. Yep. You know, we I don't know who knows what's gonna happen this week. I don't know who they're playing this week. Let me look that up real quick. They're playing Syracuse, which ain't really shit for them. Nope. And then we gotta play them next week. So we gotta go into this game and really, really you know, display our dominance and feel good going into that North Carolina game. Build up that confidence. Yep. So that's that's the reason why I wore this shirt today. Dog. I want the Hurricanes and the Hurricane fans to build up that confidence. Use this Georgia Tech game to completely work out the kinks after that week off. Get back into that playing rhythm and, and let's take care of business as we get ready to go and handle business in North Carolina. North Carolina, let's say everything remains the same, you know, next week when we face North Carolina. In North Carolina's 14, we're 17. That's an automatic flip. If we, yeah, for sure. We'll be in the top 15. Automatic flip. For sure. For sure. Without a doubt. Kane's just got to take care of the business. Take care of business against Georgia Tech. Don't make it a game. Don't let these guys get out to a hot start. Dominate early and often. And let's cruise into the third quarter so we can let our guys play in the fourth quarter. I'm excited for that game, dog. Saturday let, night. Let's get it. Let's get it, man. Um, yeah, it's going to be so dope, bro. We gotta talk a little bit after that about the game after. Cool. We'll talk about it. Cool. Uh let's uh wrap up the show with the honorable mentions as we usually do. Save the first one for last. Okay. We'll jump into the USA Ryder Cup team getting smoked by the Europe <laughs> Ryder Cup team. It wasn't pretty, dog. It wasn't it was a massacre, really. It early was, and often. It was a slaughter. I it feel bad for you if you woke up <laughs> early to watch that. Yeah, so here's a, give me 60 seconds on the clock. Give me a 60 seconds on the clock Go to, to do a recap. So here we go. Uh, Europe got off to a hot start. They won the first four matches of the day. They won four points straight off the board. Remember, US, uh, USA uh, has, hasn't won in Europe in 30 years. And they hit great shots. Keep going. And so they get off to a great start. Then uh, USA has a little bit of momentum in the afternoon that day, thinking we're going to get it. Well, Europe shuts the door on us on 18, basically in every match to steal a couple of half points and take a very sizable lead going into the second day. Very sizable. Second day. 30 seconds. Things get a little bit more interesting. 
Um, the most interesting part about the second day was the interaction at the end of the day between Rory. Joe LaCava and Rory McIlroy while he was trying to play with the hats off tribute to Patrick Cantlay, who I was talking shit about, but ended up playing big on Saturday Ball. for us. Closing out with Sunday, where it looked like for a second there, we almost had a chance to close it and bring it back. But in the end, you Europe was just too much for USA. And time. Oh, all right. Hey, that's it. That's all you need to know about the Ryder Cup, pretty much. All, all I'm going to say is that when I saw, as I'm watching this, right, I'm watching the afternoon rounds, which is still early for us. Yeah, because the afternoon rounds were at 7.30 like for us. 7.30 for us, yeah. right? I'm watching the afternoon the round. <laughs> and after the Europe, Europe team got off to the hot start, I'm watching John Rahm in his match, and I'm thinking, come on, this guy's really balling. This guy, where the hell was this John Rahm over the last three tournaments, right, <laughs> to end the season? Guy disappeared. Because this John Rahm just came out of nowhere. Lights out. The dude knocked in three chips in one round. Yeah, chipped in three times, bro. It was unreal. One of them was to, to save win part. holes, dog. One of them was and to save part. That was crazy. Part. He went in the water, and everybody's like, "Wow, John Rahm went in the water here, wow, bro." Watch this. Just hold my in, beer. Dog. Hold, hold my brew, dog. <laughs> but yeah, you bro, say it, it sucked to wake up. You know, I wake up on Friday morning all excited. You know, hey, all right, turn on TV. Hopefully, we got you know something good. Maybe two, two. You know, one and a half, two and a half, whatever. Nothing. No, bro. Four zero, bro. It was like yeah. wow dude to wake up to that and then you know to see that we had a little bit of fight in us you know the the whole rory um and um and what's his face just Fitzpatrick, <laughs> uh you know that twosome was on fire in their group fleetwood played great hovland played like an absolute oh, beast, maniac i told you dog absolute maniac you know but these guys here's something i don't know if you know this so None of the USA players played in the major tournament leading up to this event, to the Ryder Cup. Okay. They spent time together. They got they to the course early. They didn't play in any tournaments, any competitive golf. All of the Europeans played in a tournament recently over there. Competitive they golf. And they in. all played well and they all placed well. You know, and on top of that, they have the whole, you know, uh, Seve tribute. You know what I mean? Where everybody's like, True. you know, the tribute to Seve and everybody's real emotional and like they're real passionate. All I kept hearing over the broadcast was the Euros. Playing with their hearts, Americans playing with their heads. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you can kind of see it. You know what I mean? Like, for there sure. was just so much more fire. And then the, the the saving grace for us, of the Americans, was that little beef that happened on Saturday. Because the storyline went out that was completely false about Patrick Cantlay uh, and his hat and not wanting to wear a hat. Because and apparently, sponsorship. Well, he, apparently the story came out. Not getting paid for it. That or they're whatever. not getting paid for the Ryder Cup, which you don't get paid for the Ryder Cup. You should All be you, honored to do that, dog. It's it's an honor for your country to go, you know, to go play in that in that event, and um, and you also get two hundred thousand dollars gets donated to a char- charity of your choice, um, as well for participating. But it, apparently, somebody put that out there, and then the Euros, the fans, which are very quick, you know, got word of that, and then they started a chant, which was like. Hats off for Cantley or, yeah, you know, yeah. some shit like that. And they were, you know, going off. But then Cantley started playing good. Started balling. And then as everything was winding down on 18, um, they were our own caddies and our players were kind of feeding into it. Hats off, taking their hats off and shit. And Chola Kava did it a little bit longer. It was like real, real close to Rory as he's like lining up one of his last putts of the day. And they kind of went at it which then followed up into the parking lot. Yes. And so now there was a little bit of drama because it's like, Golf USA is getting son. whooped, but yo, it's USA <laughs> till I die, homie. You know what I'm saying? So like now I'm a little invested. And then Sunday came around and, and you know. Well, they had we talk tried. and shit. No, that's also false. 
Oh, they didn't talk. That was also bullshit. Yeah, that was also some other bullshit tweet. Um, they haven't talked. Apparently, Rory was asked immediately after winning the Ryder Cup. You know, how, how are you? You know, what terms are you with Jolakava? Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Jolakava is you know Tiger Woods' former caddy, Coach, maybe still guy. current caddy. I Who don't knows? know if he still Who is, knows? but currently caddying for Patrick Cantlay, and uh, he he did his thing, bro. My, my hats off to, well. to Jolakava because you know he tried to at least ignite the the Americans and rally them somehow. You know we were getting your ass whooped, dog. Straight up, and it sucks to see that. You know, and if if he did something foolish that you know lit and a look, fire under and, our ass, then so be it. And there were things that you that as a USA fan, right? Can point to him or like, all right, this dude balled. Um, what's his dude's name? At the end of the day, in the last day, on was, Sunday, Brooks. No, not Brooks. Brooks balled. I'll tell you that. The other dude with long hair, brown hair. Oh, Sam Burns. Burns, he played really well. Who's another one? The one that fought the last hole and didn't win. That didn't concede it. And he uh, made the putt. And he was talking shit. Ah. Oh, Max Homa, maybe. Homa. Homo, Homo, Homo played great this weekend. Homo, Homo played was the hero fucking, this weekend. and he played with a lot of heart. Yeah, but there's still a lot of questions. With on a lot Zach of questions. Johnson, Zach Johnson is the main is the main person we got to look at and blame here for, for this loss, man. You know, he didn't he didn't do the the best you know job as a captain. You know, he kind of got thrown into that fire and and questionable decisions were made from captain's picks to you know who he sent out and and how he sent them out and all that stuff and it sucked. It, it is what it is, but, you know, it's Team USA till I die, homie, sure. and Europe, dog, you're going to see us in two years. Yeah, and we'll, well, maybe we can make it out there. No, so it's going to be here. It's going to be I'm, at Beth Page. I know, oh, I know, I know. When it comes, we can make it out it'll there. be in New York, dog, so maybe. We'll, we'll talk. Maybe we'll figure, figure that out. Put a pin in it. We'll, we'll talk a little out. bit more about that. Um, let's do, let's give it, let's do 60 seconds on Canelo whooping Charlo's ass this weekend. I don't got the timer. You got I it. I got it right here, and I'm All just going right. to run through it real Ready, quick. Ready, go. Canelo is the best boxer ever. He is really dominant in the sport of boxing right now. And Jermel Charlo had no business sharing the ring with him. Victor Bermudez was right. Shout out to Vic. I love you, my boy. You didn't even need 60 seconds, dog. Nah, that, that was, was it. Like 15. Yeah. The only thing that was more of a question about that fight was who was Canelo going to fight next? And by like the fourth round, when Canelo was already really hurting... Charlo, um, that's when the like the guy is commentating the fight really started to talk about that. Uh, he forced Charlo to take a knee after just punching him in the in the in like the front of the head. And, and I was telling my barber today, shout out to Jonathan, like he took that knee because he didn't want to get knocked out. I'm sure his equilibrium was about to get off. He started seeing double and was like, you know what? Let me take this break right here and take this knee. And that was pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, Canelo bullied him. Pretty much hunted down Charlo. Charlo looked like he had fear in his eyes, that he was scared to throw a punch. And, um, yeah, that was it. Dominating performance by Canelo yet again. Everybody was calling Charlo a fraud on, on Twitter. Completely. Tons of fighters that had maybe said they would, you know, they listed him as possible opponents immediately were like, nope, they're straight. Mind. Straight. I'm good on that fight, dog. And like I said, the, the the bigger question of the evening was what's next for Canelo, right? Is he going to fight a future champion, David Benavides, who's a really exciting young fighter, a kid who knocks out people in that super middleweight division, um, creeping up to that number one contender status? Does he get a, a rematch with Bivol, who was his last loss, right, and moves up and, and revenges himself in that form? Um, in light heavyweight, does he fight Jamero Charlo? Right to complete the set. Originally, Vic pointed out on the fight rewind that we did, Jamal Charlo was the first one who was supposed to fight him, not Jermel. Um, so, does that make it happen? Do people see this fight and say, if this guy had no chance, the brother's gonna have 
probably a little bit more of a chance. It's not going to be worth it. So I, I, at this point, dog, me. let me get Jake Paul against Canelo, dog. Nah, I don't want to see, see that shit. Jake Paul get worse. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'd rather not see that. I'd rather not see that. Looking forward to uh, Ngano and Fury throwing down in the ring. That's going to hey, be entertaining. Uh, didn't Ugas also fight on that card? Yes, he got his ass whooped. That sucks. Big time. Mm. Right eye was swollen and it's messed up. Now, once you break your bones around in this and like your eyes and shit it's always going to swell up first and that kid you know that he was fighting was a really good fighter was landing that jab over and over and over and really hitting him with some power left mm. hooks so uh, Ugas had no chance he had a fight and he made it all the way as far as he could so yeah, shout out to him just for that alone yeah, a, a legitimate professional talk. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap up you know now that we're on the cusp of it you wanted to save it to the end. Here we are. <clears throat> the it's Heat the, didn't get Damian Lillard. Saddest, saddest In topic. case you missed it. He Say that had, one more time, dog. Say that one more time. Yes, it happened. Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck. Portland decided to trade him there for Drew Holiday. It was a three-way team uh, trade with uh, Phoenix, who moved Aiton in the deal. Nurkic, uh, Jerkic moved to Phoenix from Portland. And uh, Portland got Drew Holiday and like a pick in 2029. And then Portland immediately moved Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And strengthened up their team. Yeah, but I think they're also preparing themselves to lose Brown. They're they're slowly getting themselves mentally prepared to be like, bam, we're gonna lose Jalen Brown at some point. He hasn't signed his resigned his contract. So you think an aging Drew Holiday is a replacement for Jalen Brown? No, but I think that what it does is give them that championship or bus move, right? And then they can present it to the fans that way. Like, hey, listen, we're doing everything we can to win a championship right now. We're not worried about two, three years from now. We're trying to win a championship right now based off the other moves that other teams are making, right? Milwaukee getting Dane and whatnot. Yeah. The Heat's not get, getting anybody. Let's get back, let's get back to, to the, the main topic at hand here. We got Dame, Tyler Hero, bitch. Dame, the Dame saga, which, you know, lasted the better half of four months for us, you know, where we yeah. first found out that Dame exclusively wanted to be traded to the Miami Heat. It wasn't the New York Knicks, as we had thought. You know, it wasn't nope. other places. It was Miami Heat, and he made that clear. And, you know, we, we as a fan dog, I thought, you know, it got to the point where I was like, this is going to be, this is going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I'm not going to get too caught up in the weeds and the what ifs. And then overnight, literally, it seemed like literally overnight, just kind of like, one day Everything the next, changed. just like you're not getting him, and there was nothing that we could do to try to make it stop. Like, wait, no, hold on, let's count. And there was some fugazi shit that occurred between yeah. the Portland management and the front office. And now there's questions around: Has Pat Riley lost his touch? Seeing as how back to back seasons, we don't make any moves. Here's my opinion on that, right? Because a lot of people have asked me. Um, first things first, I don't think Pat Riley has fault in this. I don't think the Heat, as a front office, Andy, uh, Harrison, Spo, Pat, I don't think that they have a fault in this. They did everything, put all the table, all the offers that they could, all the different variations of the offers, they put them all on the table for Portland and said, hey, listen, you're not going to get a better deal than this. And the Heat were right. Portland did not get a better deal than this. You sure? And because... DeAndre Ayton Ayton is a fucking trash center. Trash. And the only reason that he's not a bench type center is because he's one of the few centers in the NBA. 
who's uh, seven seven three and about can a really first def- round pick. And he's played like shit. Go ask, go go read what they're saying about DeAndre in in Phoenix. Okay, go read so you can see. Sure. Okay, and then you trade for an expiring contract, which doesn't really give you too much salary relief because you're still taking on Aiton's fresh new contract that he just signed about a year ago, right? Maxed out, by the way. And then you're gonna lose him next year, or you're gonna have to trade him and get something back. And then the pick that you were dying to pull out of everybody was a 2029 pick. That's not going to help you today, tomorrow, or whatever. Even with your young core, that pick is not going to help you six years from now if you're Portland and thinking that you're going to get something for your young core. Now, ultimately, right, Milwaukee, um, uh, Portland was able to get two first from Boston, who's in desperation mode, championship or bust, right, in that trade to get Drew Holiday. But even still, that's not necessarily the best deal that they could have had. It's not. Because you're strapped with Aiden, who's going to be not the leader that you want him to be on that young team, not going to provide an, enough scoring for you on that team in order to help with the young players on that team. And it's probably going to be a detriment because he's going to feel like he's wasting the rest of his years on a young team that's not ready for a championship. You trade Drew Holiday, he's out. So now everybody in Portland is like, we're stuck with the big man who we're paying a bunch of money to, and we're going to wait three, four years for this team to get good. I don't know how they're happy with that. Mm. Milwaukee came out with a steal. Milwaukee's the biggest win. Austin came out with a steal. Even though it cost them two first-rounders, they're doing everything. Uh, like I said, they're doing Milwaukee, everything. They're, they're Milwaukee came out of nowhere much, and made out like Much bandits. better, dog. Right? And, and, and the fact that they're even there, dog, is, is, is what is, like, bothering me, which... Goes back to my point about the heat to tie it all in. The front office did everything they could. Portland was asking for fucking Jimmy Butler. That's stupid. They're asking for Bam out of Bayou. That's stupid because they know that those deals are not going to get done. Not for Damian Lillard. Not for Damian Lillard. So it's obvious Portland didn't want to do business with the heat. All right. Fuck you, Portland. Don't ever call us. Don't ever call us, right? And more importantly, for me, moving down down the future road, right, with this Heat team and the front office and the organization, how does this affect us in the eyes of future free agents? Do the team, does that free agency like, bro, this is a hard team to get a deal done with because my team that I'm on, whatever team, hates the Heat. Because the Heat have gotten them before, the Heat have fleeced them before, the Heat have made them do this deal before. And now they're going to complicate shit where I can't go there. The thing with Kevin Durant didn't come down to him saying, fuck the heat. Brooklyn said, nah, we're going to get a better deal somewhere else. The same thing with Spider Mitchell. It didn't come down to Spider Mitchell saying, nah, I don't want to play for the heat. Cleveland was like, I'll give you whatever it takes. Same thing with Portland. Ah, nah, nah. We're not going to give that guy to the heat. You can go, we're going to send you wherever you, anywhere else, bro. But Miami. (laughs) That's where that's what's concerning as a Heat fan. I'm devastated, dog. I'm devastated. I hear you. I mean, there's You're not, not the only there's one. There's not a lot out there right now. There's pretty much nothing out there. You know, this this trade held up everything like we talked about before. And I, I felt, you know, comfort in the fact knowing that, yeah, I don't give a fuck if it holds everything up as long as we get Dame. Right. Well, now we don't fucking got Dame. We don't got shit except for Jimmy with fucking emo hair. And 
I don't know how I feel. You know, Tyler Hero, I don't know what his, you know, where his, where his head's at after this season. We lose, uh, you know, Max Struess. We lose Gabe Vincent. You know, we lose a couple of role players. And we're not bringing anybody in. You know, are we count, you know, are we counting on the rookie Jaime Jarquez? You know, are we counting on, you know, a bounce back year maybe from from Hero and and putting all the weight on, on the shoulders of Jimmy and Bam again? Like, it's a lot to ask, dog. I think that this this heat season, and we're going to wrap up here, I think this heat season is really going to depend on how how good Nikolai Jogovic plays, how often he plays, and if he can be a guy that plays next to Bam. If he can be a guy that plays next to Bam, that makes us extremely dangerous. But he's going to have to show that early and often. He's going to have to be a very consistent second-year player for us. In order to be dynamic, that's, that's that's what we need. Lots we know, ask. yes. M- more to ask is Jimmy to play eighty percent of the games this year. That's a little bit more of a ask. I feel like, are we going to get Jimmy for eighty percent of the games? If we do, we know that we're going to win a lot of these games in the regular season. So we're going to be in a top four position, or at least contending for that yeah, top. But four then we're going to wear him out, and then we're not going to have him when we need him. Bam, most. step we up. We need more. Hero, we need hey, listen, something. Listen, at at this point right now, we got what we got. Hero, step the hell up. Bam, step the hell up because there's definitely more than enough space for you guys to improve in your game. More than enough space. I think we've they're seen not their nowhere near their ceiling. Hell I think we've no. Seen their ceilings. Already. Hell no. I guess we'll get back into that when the, when we do our heat preview pretty soon, bro. Yeah, uh, we will. Now it's time to tell a friend though. Tell a friend. We gotta get out of here. Tell a friend that we didn't get Damian Lillard. <laughs> tell a friend that the <laughs> that, Dolphins that lost to the Buffalo depressed. Bills. Tell the tell the tell a friend that I'm out on the street out here begging for money because I lost. All of my bets this week. Man. Don't All of bet. My Don't bet with your heart, guys. But most importantly, tell a tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell another friend not to bet with their hearts, like my man Joel did, man. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Like I said earlier, make sure you guys are subscribing to the YouTube channel. We over three hundred subscribers. What? And we're growing. Appreciate you guys. Keep the love. Keep it p- pumping, and make sure we'll keep the content coming. Yes, sir. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.